Hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick. Mm. Peter Resnick, that's boring. <laughs> I cannot hold myself any longer. That's not how I want to welcome you in truth. Each time I begin this show, I want to start differently. Each time I'm about to start, I think of Robin Williams. Remember the movie Good Morning Vietnam, how his character started his morning show by screaming, Good morning, Vietnam! I miss Robin Williams. What an incredible comedian, actor, and a man he was. So I want to start my show by shouting, Hello, people of the planet! Remember, we are reaching listeners from around the world. And welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Yeah, it sounds much better. I have been on the air for almost three months now, and they didn't get rid of me yet. So maybe I can show you my crazy side. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that you're welcome to call me during the show with your comments and or your questions. The number to call is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. And of course, you can email me if you want. My email address is drpeterresnik at gmail.com. In fact, some of you may want to email me today because of the subject that I will discuss and the links to the websites I will speak of that you may want me to send you. Next week, I will have here uh, a very special guest, Dr. Andrew Newberg, who is a leading American neuroscientist and the author of the book, among many other books, How God Changes Your Brain. That's for the next week. But today, today I know a lot of people want to hear about COVID-19 and about politics. That's what these days is in. America is divided in two camps, pro and against Donald Trump, even though he is no longer president, he's still in the news. And I think he will not be off the news for a while. But all people are interested in uh, and united uh, by is their concern about the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, though even there, there is a divided, dividing line in how people interpret the way it has been handled, the origins of it, and how to deal with the problem. I totally understand why it's happening, why so many people are glued to their televisions and the radios and uh, cell phones. Since the beginning of 2020, life has not been the same in America. Uh, well, life has not been the same in any part of the world for that matter. But let us not live in a state of emergency. Here is the definition I found of what emergency is. Emergency is an event or unforeseen combination of circumstances that calls for immediate action. COVID is no longer unforeseen. We know what we're dealing with. We know the steps we're taking. And it is indeed necessary to do what we know to avoid 
an infection. But let's not live in a state of emergency because it is not. It is what it is. It is part of our life now. Because that state of an emergency, if we live in it, compromises our immune system. You can read in any textbook and, and on any website about um, compromising our immune system and stress is one of the biggest contributing factors. So that gets us vulnerable to the very thing that we're trying to avoid. Let's live our lives, focus on all the important things about life. And taking care of the COVID presence is just one of them. It is not all of our life. COVID will go away. And the politics and the politicians will go away. And there will be another virus and another illness and new politicians. And then those politicians will go and new politicians will come, more than likely all lying to one degree or another, because that's what politicians do. But there is only one of you. Events come and go, politics come and go. There is only one of you. And while all these events and passions are happening, I believe we need to bring our attention back to us, not only to our external, but to our internal well-being, particularly when the world is unpredictable and scary at times out there. We need to create space within us of peace and harmony. And that is why today I want to speak about something else than politics and then COVID. At the PRN, they told me that our average listener is a middle-aged man or woman. I'm way beyond my middle age mark. And I had this uh, conversation in my mind, in fact, this morning, <laughs> imagining that I sit with you, whoever you, wherever you are, my dear listener, and share with you about 40 plus years of my experience working with people. I, I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people. Uh, a couple of months ago, I spoke to a young man, a real young man, uh, in his early 20s. And I'm very open with my clients. Nobody calls me Dr. Resnick. That's separates people. It sounds like I am Mr. All right, and the client is a screwed up, lost individual who I, the doctor, is to save from his or her misery. And the Mr. All right is all knowing and unreachable and different. That's really nonsense. We're all in the same boat. We all deal with the same life issues. We're different only in the degree, not in kind. Uh, I think Fritz Perls taught at some point uh, the idea, I am okay and you're okay. But one of uh, the people that I'm really looking up to, one of my favorite, favorite psychiatrists, uh, unfortunately she is no longer alive, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said, I don't think that the statement I am okay, and you are okay, is the truth. 
I think that I am not okay, and you are not okay, but that's okay. And I agree with her wholeheartedly. So going back to the young man that I mentioned, uh, he told me about some of his escapades. And I pointed out to him cognitive and then behavioral mistakes that he made, mistakes which may hurt others and on the long run, him as well. Uh, he leaned over to me and said, Peter, when you were my age, did you do that? And I said to him, yes, I did. So he said, why are you telling me not to do it? And I said, because I did not have me. I grew up in the environment in which, which certain behaviors were encouraged. For example, street fighting was a normal thing to do for, uh, to prove your manhood, you're tough, and many other things that now I think were great errors. My parents did not send me to study conflict resolution, to, teach, to learn what is moral and ethical. They were moral and ethical people. But, you know, it's at home, and once you go out there, the world is different, and you act different, and you have to prove yourself. I have no regrets about the past, because who I am today is a consequence of what I've been through. But surely my life could be easier uh, if I had better guidance. Slowly, I found the right guides for myself and the right values. Uh, but if somebody could teach me about it all at younger age, why spend the time inventing the will all over again? It is with these thoughts that I'm coming to you today, my dear listeners. You already know, if you're a middle-aged person, that being 40 or 45 or 46 is very different from being 26. And believe me, that being 66, and that's my age today, is very different from being 46. When I was 26 and 46, I did not have me to tell me what was the right thing to do. But you have me, not me as a man, Peter <laughs> Resnick, but someone who got, gained knowledge through direct life experience and most important, working with thousands of people, many of whom made a lot of mistakes in their relationships with themselves and others. There is a Russian saying, the first part of our lives, we are successfully running uh, uh, our body down, ruining our health. And the second part, we are unsuccessfully trying to fix it, to restore our health. So I asked myself, what are the main aspects of our being, which absolutely must be examined and successfully addressed if we are to live healthy, productive, and fulfilling lives? Actually, I asked myself this a couple of years ago. I started writing a book called Six Pillars of Well-Being. It's almost finished. It actually exists already in a, uh, as, a, as a copywritten 12-week course. I just need to find a publisher to publish uh, this material as a book. 
meanwhile, I teach the principles from this book uh, to my students and my clients. Today, I want to start making my modest attempts in sharing with you what I believe you need to know to make your 40s and 50s and 60s a journey of peace and physical, emotional and spiritual wellness. If I get your interest, that is, if I receive your feedback, your calls, your questions, I will go on, perhaps skipping some shows to have interviews with other practitioners in the field of healthcare, as I promised. If I don't hear from you, well, then I will move to other subjects. You know already in previous shows I spoke about night dreams, about addictions, about mind-body medicine. I intend to speak about face reading, about cancer, and so on and so on. And that ought, I, whether or not I will continue this talk really depends on your, your feedback. And those of you, if, if I do not continue this uh, talk, about six pillars of well-being. And if you are interested in a subject, then you can go to my website, drpeterresnik.com, and download the whole course called Six Pillars of Well-Being and work on it. Um, but let us start now. Uh, let's see where it takes us. Here are the six pillars of well-being. I want you to imagine a hexagram. It's easier actually to envision a Star of David, but the Star of David is associated with a specific religion and a group of people. And this program is applicable by any, to any person, whether this person is an atheist or belongs to any spiritual tradition. So just think about six points, four points as a square, and then one point above and one below. That becomes a hexagram. Uh, these, I believe, are the main aspects of our lives that we need to be aware of and explore, and if necessary, make positive changes. Let's look at the very first one, the one below. It's our physical reality. That includes our living environment, physical hygiene, nutrition, exercise, sleep, and rest. Now, if you think of the point above the physical reality, remember we envisioned the square, uh, but the one on the lower right side, that is the second pillar of well-being. Our thoughts, feelings, emotions, and self-talk, which, as you know, what we say to ourselves, and how we feel, and the emotional toxins that we accumulate going through life are devastating to our mind and can be very much, very devastating to our bodies. In fact, uh, I think I mentioned to you one time the book by uh, Blair Justice called Who Gets Sick? And he collected thousands of studies from around the world linking our mental and emotional states to virtually every physical illness. Our emotional and mental states, stress, may not be the only cause of physical illness, but it's always one of the major contributing factors. So the second pillar 
is dealing with those feelings and emotions. And by the way, when I say feelings and emotions, this is not uh, the same idea used interchangeably. Feelings is what we feel inside. The word emotion comes from Latin imovera, which means to move out. It's what we show to the world, how we show our feelings to the world. Sometimes people who don't express their feelings are told, oh, this person is not emotional. No, this <laughs> the person may be not emotional, the person may not emote what he or she feels, but they may feel very strongly. So that's what we'll be addressing in the second pillar of well-being. Uh, the third pillar is if you think about the left side, the lower left side, uh, will be social conditioning, the influence of our society, community, family, which affect our lives, and of which we may or may not be aware. Now, the fourth pillar, uh, or the fourth point on this hexagram, on the upper right side of the square is our unconscious beliefs, which often govern the choices that we make. Did you ever do something like you, you, did, you said or you did something and say, why in the world did I do this? And that's because we are majority of choices that we make are governed um, by, by our unconscious beliefs. Uh, the fifth pillar, and, and what I teach is how, and God willing, we'll go through it uh, in one of our talks. I teach how I have specific mental techniques of how to go into your subconscious program and identify what are these programs are and what stimulates your conscious choices that you make. And then once you identify them, you can make a decision whether you want to keep them or ch change them. Now, the fifth pillar, the one on the upper left side of that square, are our conscious attitudes and character traits, which may help if we have life-enhancing healthy attitudes, uh, or may hinder our progress in life, our life, the joy of life. And finally, the sixth pillar, if you think about the all the way up, the opposite to the, to the lower, to the physical, all the way that is as, as below, so is above. So the upper point, the sixth pillar of well-being is our moral and or spiritual beliefs. To deal with some of the pillars will require mental exercises. To deal with other pillars, uh, you may just need to listen to me and understand what I'm saying. And if interested in exploring the issue further, um, you may read some stuff on your own. I will be giving recommendations on what to read and I have articles on my website. And yet, to deal with other issues, you may need to utilize a lot of your willpower. And that's what I will also tell you when to, you need to simply to practice and build your will and to make changes. Uh, as you go up the ladder that is falling from one 
um, pillar to another. Um, it will get more and more interesting and exciting, I promise. But first we must cover the foundation, our physical reality. Maybe not as exciting as dealing with the unconscious and taking journeys into the world of spirit, but nevertheless, all those other levels of reality are greatly affected by the state of our physical health. You know, for example, if you don't sleep well, or you have, excuse me, muscle cramps, or heart, heart palpitations, you're not likely to work on your inequalities. Yes, uh, we are mental and emotional and social and spiritual beings, but we live all those realities through the medium of our physical bodies. Many things I will say, you may already know and practice, but some of you may learn something new. I share with you only what I believe is important. So here is what I want you to know to take care, <clears throat> excuse me, of your physical reality. These are the components which I believe are most important. As I already mentioned, your living environment, physical hygiene, nutrition, exercise, sleep, and rest. When I spoke to my son about it, he actually said, Dad, who will be listening to you talking about physical hygiene? Who doesn't know it? <laughs> but as we talk about it, you will, um, you will probably appreciate what I'm saying. Uh, there are certain things that people neglect and get themselves in, in serious trouble. So uh, let's start with living environment. Um, number one thing that I want you to be aware of, and some of you probably cannot relate to it, but some can, it's about living, what to avoid. Avoid living next to nuclear power plants. Now, what if you're already living next to a nuclear power plant? I'm talking about within 50 miles. Well, there is a problem. You may consider at some point moving. Epidemiologist Dr. Jay Gould wrote a book on the subject a while ago called uh, The Enemy Within, The High Cost of Living Near Nuclear Reactors. If you care to read this book, I think you will have no question about why I caution you about reading, uh, living near nuclear power plants. I had the privilege of attending one of Dr. Good's lectures quite a while ago. At that time, he was involved in a research called Tooth Fairy. His students were going around and collecting baby teeth from the mothers of young children, explaining to them the purpose and that it was part of the research. Apparently, strontium-90, which is a byproduct of a nuclear reaction, is a highly carcinogenic, and somehow it's settling in our teeth. So by collecting baby teeth in the areas within 50 miles range of a nuclear reactor, and the baby teeth of the children living far away from nuclear reactors, Dr. Gould and his team conclusively demonstrated that women who live close to the nuclear reactors have much higher rate of breast cancer. And that's only one of the conclusions. Uh, if you're interested, again, 
read up more on it. Let's move on. Next thing to avoid, living next to high voltage power lines. If you send me an email with the request, I will send you a link to the site where you can read about EMF pollution uh, from living near power lines. So again, if you can move, if you're planning to move, watch for power lines. You don't want to be around them. Next thing, living in places where there is a lot of uh, constant noise. The same, I highly uh, recommend that you send me an email. Uh, you can, when you send the email, write in the subject column uh, six pillars. So I will know that you want me to send you all the links. So I will send you a link to the site which talks about how noise pollution affects our health. Now, a few serious environmental issues you must be aware of. Uh, please make sure, one, to check your house or an apartment where you live for presence of mold. It's a silent killer undermining every system in your body. I'm not going to talk about details. Again, if you want to know, we now have internet, thank God, you can go and read about mold and its effects on the body. I'm just mentioning all that I believe in one must know. Two, you must check yourself thoroughly after being in the forest or park, a big, I'm talking about not a little park, like, or center park even, but we're talking, I'm talking about big parks where there are deer. Uh, I've known a, a number of people whose lives were changed forever because of the chronic Lyme disease, which was a result of a tick bite. And so you want to examine yourself. I used to live actually in Rockland County, uh, which was like a tick called Tick County. And yes, I, I, my wife and children and our two dogs would go into the forest. In fact, we had uh, our backyard, as a backyard, we had 25,000 uh, acres state land. But every time we would go come back, we would strip and, and check ourselves for ticks. And very often there would be ticks, we would take them off. And it, there was no problem. Uh, but if you were actually bitten by a tick, you will see very specific circle, red circle, red circle, purplish circle on your skin, then you need medication and there will be no problem. But if it was neglected, a person can develop Lyme disease and it's an extremely serious problem. Next, if possible, live in the home with a lot of sunlight. Next aspect of physical reality to be aware of is a physical hygiene. Sounds simple, wash your hands a little more to it. Take showers every morning and preferably after a work day as well. You know, uh, particularly in Middle Eastern tradition, for example, people take off their shoes before they, as they walk into the house, they take off the shower to, to wash off the day, the energy of what was surrounding you before you entered your home. Next, keep your sinuses clean uh, it's very important. Use what is called neti pot, N-E-T-I pot. Uh, you can find it on the internet. Uh, what you do is you warm up every morning uh, 
about 16 to 20 ounces of water, preferably distilled water, add quarter of a teaspoon of salt, um, and then uh, rinse your left nostril and your right nostril. And that's how you clean your sinuses. Uh, if again, if you want to know more about it, you can go on internet, uh, on YouTube, and like write down how to use natty pot. And there are many uh, YouTubes on everything. I learned how to cook well through uh, YouTubes. Uh, if you have a cold, I suggest that you do it not once a day every morning, but three, four times a day. It will help you to get rid of a cold much faster. Next thing, as you take a shower, use a loofah. You know this little thing that you do to scrape your skin, to get rid of dead skin. Next, floss and brush your teeth in the morning and in the evening before going to sleep, because you get rid of bacteria of deposits of plaque between your teeth. Next, if you use deodorants, they must be organic. Because remember, you use deodorant in, in places like under your armpits where uh, major glands are, and they're your cleaning system, and yet you, if you bring, if you use uh, a deodorant which has aluminum, you bring carcinogenic substance close to passages that absorb uh, all the elements that you bring there. Uh, next, synthetic hair dyes increase the risk of certain cancers. Uh, so you have to make sure that you, you read of the content of whatever dyes you use. Next, do not use electric blankets. The electric energy field interferes with the human energy field. Next, avoid aluminum or Teflon cookware because aluminum and Teflon accumulate in our body and it's quite devastating. You can use instead uh, stainless steel or Pyrex or iron cookware, although I find it's quite heavy iron. I use um, Pyrex most of the time. Hand washing, most infections, especially colds and gastroenteritis are caused um, when we put our unwashed hands in our mouth, meaning if we touch our mouth, if we touch food with unwashed hands, some infections are caught when we, people uh, don't dry their hands enough. Always wash your hands after using a toilet, before ma making food or eating. Always keep your bathroom and your kitchen clean. You know, it sounds like so simple. It's like for children, I know, but I have to remind you of this because it's part of taking care of your body. When traveling, drink only bottled water. Uh, don't eat salads in restaurants because they, they use uh, local water, like in Mexico one time, actually a couple of times, I, I did eat uh, salads and without thinking, and, and they were washed by local water, and I had terrible, terrible problems each time, both times when I came from Mexico. So uh, make sure that dishes are always clean and uh, dried well. Now let's go to a very important subject. We're still covering our physical uh, being. 
nutrition. You know the saying, you are what you eat. That is a bit of an exaggeration. But your physical health definitely depends on what, how much, and when you eat. There are hundreds of diets out there. A study by the National Institute of Health in the USA discovered that six months after finishing some any dieting program, the average success rate was, guess what? What is the average success rate of any program followed six months after the program? 2%. Yeah, 2%. Weight loss market in the United States is over $72 billion. And the success rate is 2%. Meaning that 70, over 70 out of $72 billion was a waste of money. And the worst, worse than that, because it's so unhealthy to lose weight and gain weight and lose weight and gain weight up and down. You want to know why the programs are not successful? I tell you my belief and my experience, because all even good diets tell people about what is good for them and what is bad for them to eat. But people are different. You don't need to be a health practitioner to see that people, some are short, some and stocky, and some are tall and thin. Some move quickly and some move slowly and deliberately. People have different bodies, different energy types, and each type needs different nutrition. Ancient civilizations did not uh, just eat whatever came to them. Meaning, I'm talking about, of course, their privileged classes. The poor people always ate whatever they could get and often starved. But I'm talking about educated, privileged classes always relied on some kind of health system. For example, in India, they developed a three-body type uh, study of uh, human body, like they call it Vata, Kapha, Pitta. And China developed its system of uh, five types of bodies, wood, earth, water, air, uh, fire, and metal. And in the West, we have our four element system. I wrote actually a book about these four types pertaining to relationships titled Face Reading Secrets for Successful Relationships. But you don't need to buy the book unless you're interested in the relationship issues. I will gladly email you paragraphs from my book which will help you to determine your unique body type. Just send me an email to drpeterresnik at gmail.com uh, and I will send you a whole write-up, like a number of pages, and you can read. Uh, within the download, I will give you a, a write-up also, not only how to determine your body type, but also the foods which are good for each type, uh, that will definitely help. Most foods, now let me tell you uh, general kinds of considerations about eating. Most foods that Americans eat, such as flour products, meats, poultry, dairy, are highly acidic. And high acidity in the body leads to serious physical disorders. I do not suggest that you totally give up all acidic foods. In fact, 
for some of the body types, it's good to eat certain acidic foods. Uh, but I do suggest that when you eat some acidic food, you balance it by eating some highly alkaline food as well. Study the chart of alkaline versus acidic foods very carefully, and I will send it to you, as I said, if you send me an email with the request. A um, couple of words about when to eat. Eat a good breakfast, but preferably a little later in the day. There is actually a whole idea of intermittent fasting, meaning uh, eating within eight, nine hours span of time, and then allow allowing your digestive system to rest within 15, 16 hours. So you eat breakfast, and the main me meal, of course, would be good to have at lunchtime. After six o'clock in the afternoon, our metabolism slows down dramatically. Uh, eat slowly, chew food thoroughly, drink a lot of water, but not with food, because remember, you need to produce hydrochloric acid to break down proteins and fats. And if you drink while eating, you simply wash the um, digestive juices off. So you drink after eating or before. Caffeine, avoid coffee, tea, and cola. Avoid uh, decaffeinated coffee as well, because chemicals that they use are not healthy uh, to process, to, to decaffeinate your coffee. If you choose to drink coffee, it should be organic, because non-organic coffee has pesticides. Herb herbal teas are very good for you. But again, even with that, I want to tell you, you have to know what's going on with your body. Even everything I tell you, or any dietitian, nutritionist, specialist who tells you, take these vitamins are good for you. I, I, don't believe it's, I don't believe it's right. Why? Because you have to go and have your test. Go to your regular physician and ask them to test you, to take your blood test and to test you for different vitamins and minerals. Because what if you have, let's say, vitamin D? It's super important. And there is a number of serious problems that you can have with your physical well-being if you have deficiency of vitamin D. But what if you have too much? The same thing with every other vitamin or nutrient. Uh, in fact, the word vitamins simply means vital minerals. So that's what it is. So you have to uh, know your body before you take anything in. Avoid sugar at any cost. Actually, I have a book called Suicide by Sugar. I'm not going to lecture on sugar. Read about it. There are wonderful websites that tells you how bad it is. The same thing with white flour. Avoid white bread, white pasta, products with white rice. Whole grain flour and brown rice can be used instead. Uh, chemicals that are added to, uh, to, added to, to food. You have to read all the labels. Avoid artificial preservatives, BHA, BHT, MSG, uh, sodium benzoate, or benzoate, it's called. Uh, it, they use a lot of these poisons in, in bread, in crackers, in cereals, 
uh, all processed cured meats, such as salami, frankfurters, uh, corned beef, and pastrami, uh, have a lot of chemicals. And I very much recommend that you fast one day of the month. Uh, it's very healthy to give your a digestive system a break. You can drink up to two liters of water during the day, add some potassium to it, but it's good, so, so good. Give yourself a break. Uh, let me say a few words about exercise. By the way, something came to my mind. Uh, you may want to learn more about if you want to lose weight or, or eat healthy, there is a wonderful book that was published called The Longevity Diet. It's an international bestseller written by an Italian guy who came to America to study jazz and got excited uh, doing some health work at uh, the, some nutritional center and really got excited and got his PhD. <laughs> I believe in not nutrition, in, I think in chemistry. And he wrote a book. Uh, his name is Walter... No, Walter Longo, uh, Longevity Diet. And I believe it's very useful and uh, you will learn a lot of interesting stuff. So now about exercise. I'm watching my time. I haven't been another 15 minutes left. Nobody is calling, so I will keep going. Um, by now, you already know your body type. Uh, if you... Uh, think about no you don't know no uh, i did not teach you about body types so let me tell you a couple of things about exercise you you don't know now but you will know once i <laughs> i assumed already i'm talking to you as if I, as if i already shared with you the whole program uh, when you download information about your body types then i will suggest uh, uh, i think I can actually write down what kind of exercise is good for each body type. Uh, that that will be probably the easiest because I, I don't want to talk about it if if you don't know your body type yet. I'm running a little bit ahead of myself. Um, the next thing, let's talk about sleep. You have to know the optimum sleep that you need. What makes you feel good? There is no right or wrong amount. It's just you have to know. Sometimes if you sleep too much, you feel groggy, you feel tired. Uh, and you have to sleep as much as you need. It is so important. You must be respectful of your body needs. Uh, probably sleep, particularly when I work with somebody who has, has emotional disturbances, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, the first thing I ask them, or bipolar disorder, first thing I ask them is how their sleep is. And if the sleep is disturbed, that's the thing that we begin to focus on, how to get enough sleep. A person's mental, emotional, and physical well-being goes downhill. So you have to know how much you need and do everything to get the amount of sleep you need. Uh, sleep is as important as food intake for healthy being. Rest. Remember, the rest is not 
inactivity, rather it is a change of the mode of activity. We're not designed to sit on our butts in the offices. Uh, our energy gets stagnant in our body uh, if we just sit. I want to suggest 10 to 15 minutes, two, three times a day of, of gentle exercise. Uh, you interrupt your day. Yes, most people now anyway, they work out, out of home. Uh, and even if you're in the office, you can take 10 minutes. My suggestion is I have a very simple, again, you can find your own, uh, but I, uh, on my YouTube, I have presence on YouTube called um, Dr. Peter Resnick. And there you find it's called 10 minute uh, warm up. It's just 10 minutes of exercise that you can learn. I, I learned it from, uh, uh, I took parts of Qigong and parts of yoga and put it together. It's not much better than anything else that is available there. There are really people who dedicated their life to these techniques and teaching them. So, but if you want, you can watch mine. Uh, it will be helpful. You have to do something to stretch and to exercise your body. Even if it's not 10 minutes, it's five minutes. Also regarding rest, you must develop an attitude that complete rest is fun and good for you, but also an investment. Uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's a fun thing. It's an also kind of, so you, I'm telling you so you wouldn't feel guilty that when you take rest, it's an investment in the quality of your work. You will do better at work. You will better uh, uh, do better at studying if you're a student, if you take the breaks. Because peop people are taught here to study for hours. You know, I heard so many, so many people say, yeah, I spent three hours nonstop and I don't remember anything. Of course you don't remember anything because the first 20 minutes you absorb information and then you're brain gets kind of locked and you don't re remember half and then a quarter. You need to take breaks, particularly if you study it. When every 20 minutes you take a five minute break, you will remember much better. And if you are working every hour, you take five minute break. So this is all so far for the six, for the first pillar of well-being. That's the basic stuff that I wanted you to know. Probably I missed some things. Uh, but this is only the first pillar. Now we have five more pillars. Again, I will gladly continue uh, talking uh, during my other shows. Uh, I will talk about the second pillar, and that's our feelings, thoughts, emotions, and self-talk. What we say to ourselves does matter. It's so important. Let's just give you a little glimpse of what I'm going to talk about. Uh, remember, if somebody says to you something nasty or something unpleasant, even if you cannot speak up, if it's your boss, you can curse inside of you, you can disagree with them. But if you say something to yourself about yourself, nobody is there to argue. So if this is repeated over and over again, it's like hypnosis. You hypnotize yourself to become that which you are suggesting that you are. 
Like if you say, oh, God, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm so incapable. I'm so inadequate. Oh, my memory is not good. Every, be careful with what you say to yourself. Do not say to yourself anything that you do not want to become true. Do not say anything to yourself that you do not want to be true. But this is just like a little tease. We'll go through details about what, how we feel. We'll talk about uh, next possible time. We'll talk about uh, hurts. That is emotional baggage that we all carry. Hurts and guilt, feeling of guilt. In fact, my teacher of blessed memory, Colette, believed that the emotional foundation of all physical illness is guilt. So in this uh, pillar, I will be talking about our feelings and uh, how we store those feelings in our bodies and what to do to get rid of that, those hurts and those guilts. And we'll be covering many, many other things. But uh, what I want to say is like next, next week, we'll actually talk to the, um, Andrew, Dr. Andrew Newberg. Uh, if, if I am to talk two weeks from now about uh, thoughts and feelings, uh, that is second pillar, um, then I will be giving you homework. I will be giving you assignments. And then we'll talk about the third pillar, as I said, about our unconscious beliefs and social conditioning, then our conscious uh, uh, beliefs and attitudes. Then we'll be talking about character traits. That is how to master. I'm talking about 13 major attitudinal and character challenges uh, we face. In fact, I used to call them 13 plagues. But my students said, no, 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 nobody will want to read what you're saying. That sounds too religious plagues. No, call it. But it's problems, you know. And it doesn't mean that everyone is dealing with these certain character traits. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about things like uh, arrogance, greed, fear, uh, worry, um, uh, apathy, and so on. The whole 13. And a person may deal with three, four of them and some more than three, four, I for sure dealt with almost all of them at some point in my life. And that doesn't mean that I conquered all of them. That's what I want you to know. When I teach my classes, I usually say to people, uh, uh, not in classes which are informational when I teach about face reading, but classes about self-mastery, I always start by saying, I'm going to teach you something I aspire to become, but I'm not which means some qualities, some challenges I can say I overcame or I mastered maybe to 50% degree to maybe 70%, maybe 20%. And some things that I'm dealing with, you, my dear listener, probably already conquered or it has never been an issue for you, but it's an issue for me. And some things that I mastered, maybe because I'm just 66 years old with age, we all change. You are still dealing with. Remember, we are in the same boat. We are different only in a degree, not in kind. But because I've been working with people for so, so many years, I learned a lot of tools and I found them being useful and I share with other people. But again, if you decide to, to, to study seriously on your own, uh, 
uh, in a very organized manner, you can uh, download the whole program, the whole uh, uh, course that I have on my website, and it's called Six Pillars of Wellbeing on my website, drpeterresnick.com. Uh, but as I said, because some some things, it's a radio show. Some things I have to um, demonstrate to you. I have to describe. I have to show you pictures, and I cannot do it on, on a radio show. But um, the the course is really a video. You'll see my pretty face uh, for and it's twelve videos. Uh, but as I said, you can also wait for my book. God willing, it will be published very soon. Anyway, um, we are getting closer to the end of, of, of my talk. For some reason, I'm reluctant saying um, goodbye to you. I challenge you to, to give it a try, um, at least to this couple of weeks that I, that I will not be talking about six pillars of well-being. Why don't you give it a try? And remember, uh, I, I spoke about a number of issues of taking care of your body, and probably majority of of them is not a problem for you. But if some are, give it a try. Do your best and see if if the quality of your life improves somewhat. And because later on, when we talk about emotional challenges, you will really have to practice. And I remind you, nothing, nothing of what I teach you is true unless it's true to you but the only way you will know whether or not what i share with you has any value is you give it a try so all i'm asking you is give it a try uh take a risk i like very much i used to have it as a as a opening to my uh website previous website i, I would love to place it uh, on this one too, I will ask my son if he can do it. The words of uh, one of my favorite French poets, Guillaume Apollinaire, and this, uh, this, uh, come to the edge, no, we'll fall. Come to the edge, no, we'll fall. Come to the edge. They came to the edge. He pushed them and they flew. I love it. Uh, maybe because in my practice, because I teach kind of an unusual things, unusual tools. I feel that I push people and many, not all, but many learned how to fly. So, and finally our hour came to conclusion and I want to thank you all for being with me today. Uh, I hope I will have your ear next week as I'm interviewing Dr. Andrew Newberg. I promise it will be an interesting interview because he's a fascinating, fascinating man. And again, thank you with me today and peace to all who want to live in peace.